1: The election was interesting, no red wave, but still it looks like Republicans will take control of the at least the House, uh, maybe the Senate, who knows, but it does mean gridlock, right? And there is this idea that gridlock is good for markets, nothing gets done. And so that translates into predictability uh, in terms of policies coming out of Washington.
2: Hey everyone, welcome to Exchange Traded Fridays. It's a weekly roundup of markets and ETF news. My name's Sean, I'm Editor-in-Chief here, and wow, we got a lot to unpack from yesterday. It's a monster day for Wall Street. There was slowing inflation finally from the CPI report. We also got what's happening with the midterm elections, what that might mean for markets. So you name it, we've got a lot going on. We got two great guests to break it all down for us. With me are my colleagues, senior ETF analyst, Samit Roy, say what's up, Smeet. Hey, Sean. Hey, everyone. And our managing editor, none other than Heather Bell. Hey, Heather.
3: Hey, Sean. Hey, Smeet. Hope you guys are doing good.
2: We are. We are. How can we not be after yesterday's <laughs> market performance, right? I mean, it was just a record day for Wall Street. I think I read Dow had its biggest day since the pandemic. It was up at least 1,100 points, I think maybe even more towards the end of end of the day. It was just crazy to kind of think how much just unbridled energy and enthusiasm there is for investors to finally be able to get back in the markets after that great CPI report we had and and start picking up some exposure again. It feels like it's been forever, right? We have so much bad news. Again, obviously, this is all based on on the cooling of inflation, which was such a welcome sight for for many of us. I thought it was especially kind of telling that just that kind of little bit of, of a slowdown in inflation just unleashed a monster day. For stocks. I mean, because when you think about it, inflation is still far above kind of the levels the Fed wants to see, or, or even normal levels for that matter. And But just being lower than, you know, obviously it was lower than analysts had expected. And still the, the markets reacted like it was, you know, V Day in, in World War II or something. And so the report definitely brought hope um, that the cost of living is coming down. I think our, our reporter, Shabim Saharan, had a great quote from one of her sources that was saying, like, Investors are just grabbing onto anything for any kind of good news, but maybe they're setting the bar just a little bit too low. It was just one month. You know, maybe we'll have to wait and see, but it was certainly something to celebrate. And once we're unpacking all that, uh, the wonderment of yesterday, we're going to dive into some midterm election stuff and try and uh, look at, in, into the tea leaves a little bit of what Washington gridlock might mean for markets. So, Samit, finally, you got some good news. What was the big takeaways from the CPI report and, you know, how the markets reacting against you?
1: For sure, Sean. Like you said, it was just one month, but it was a great number if you're a bull on anything, whether it be the economy, the stock market, or even the bond market, right? We saw a 0.27% increase in the core CPI from September to October. That's something we haven't seen in over a year. That's a pretty small increase because if you annualize that 0.27% month-over-month month gain, you get 3.3%, which is way below the 6% to 8% rates we've been seeing recently. Now, we obviously can't declare victory against inflation here. This is just one data point. And we've seen a couple months this year where it looked like inflation was slowing down, but it jumped right back up again the next month. But like I wrote in a piece for ETF.com yesterday, investors aren't going to wait around, right, to see whether this is really the start of a downward trend in inflation. With stocks and bonds down already so much, right, the S&P 500 was down 25% almost. The bond market is having its worst year in history. Investors are just going to buy first and then wait for confirmation later. And we actually could get that confirmation before the next Fed meeting, when the next CPI report comes out on December 13th, which coincidentally is just a day before the next Fed interest rate decision. So that report could either reinforce this idea that inflation is truly slowing, or it could just shatter that idea, and then we'd be back to square one again. I'm hopeful because October's slowdown in prices that we saw in the CPI report was pretty broad-based, everything from prices for food to vehicles to medical care saw pretty notable deceleration. So I'm hoping that continues. Let's hope that continues. And I think that hope is the reason why we saw such dramatic moves in the market. Heather, I think you wrote a piece about how some ETF saw double-digit percent moves on Thursday. What, what did you see? The
3: ARK Innovation ETF, ARKK, finished up the day uh, yesterday at about That's huge. Um, I think the day before they had had one of their worst, the fund had had its worst performance in like five years. And then the next day it just rebounded pretty dramatically. But technology as a whole was boosted by the CPI report. From what I understand, inflation hits technology stocks uh, pretty hard. Maybe that's because they don't have a lot of hard assets or, and it, you know, it's more Difficult to borrow when interest rates are high, that kind of thing. So it's it's really weighted on technology in particular, and you just saw that turnaround in ARKK. You saw it actually um, the three AR arc ETFs, future or the uh, internet fund, and I believe the fintech fund were all up uh, pretty dramatically for the day. So there's definitely some kind of like turnaround happening for technology. Will it stick? Who knows? I think it probably depends on the next CPI report.
2: Yeah. And I think another factor that might just be how, you know, beaten down those tech stocks have been too a lot of the larger ones, right? I mean, if you're gonna put money in and, and buy at a at a discount, why not take on tech? I mean, if you're bullish on what the market can do, you know, and if this is the turning point, that's probably where you wanna put your money. And and I think what you said, too, Samit, is is right about the Fed. I mean, I love that the next CPI report is a day before the Fed meeting. That's like just fantastic drama we're going to have. Can't looking forward to that. I think that's what it really is. I mean, what does the Fed do? Because, yes, inflation cooled. But the real question then becomes like, what stance is is Powell going to take? Was the CPI enough to kind of begin the end of the the hiking cycle? Obviously, there's going to be another 50 base points, maybe another 25 base points. Um, But does it start here? You know, which is what really everyone's kind of waiting for and hoping for. I saw some analysts were saying they wouldn't dramatically change like this wouldn't dramatically change their view of the economy because, you would, you know, you wouldn't base it on one data point. Um, Again, to your points to me that it's just been one month. Yeah, you should feel better about inflation than we did yesterday. But, you know, it's not that much better. And how long do these rates take to get to make their way through the economy? For sure, there's some progress, you know, that has been made. Largely, you know, limited to the housing market, we've seen a lot of cooling there. And Powell has made it clear that there's a long way to go before letting up. I I pulled a quote from late September where he said, "We ha- quote, we have to get inflation behind us. I wish there was a painless way to do that. There isn't. So we still have to wait and see, right? What What's going to happen? But yes, definitely, definitely good news. But like you said, to me, perspective is always a good thing to to keep in mind.
1: Yeah. Exactly, Sean. Just a one data point and Thursday's moves were just one day in the market. We just have to see if this will continue, though there were extraordinary moves, not only in stocks, but in bonds as well. I noticed that the 10-year Treasury yield dropped 31 basis points on Thursday, biggest single-day decline since the financial crisis. And that obviously led to huge moves up in the bond ETFs like IEF, LQD, TLT. 2 to 4% moves up in those bond ETFs which is obviously good if you're a bond investor trying to take advantage of this year's just horrible year in the bond markets. So we'll see what happens. I mean yeah, you said 50 basis points Sean, that's probably going to be what we see in December but the next CPI report is going to play a big part in determining whether that's truly what we see. And then also what happens after the December meeting, right? Right now, the market is pricing in two more rate hikes after the the December meeting. Another one, another 25 basis point hike followed by yet another 25 basis point hike. So a total of 100 basis points up from where rates are right now. And that would take the Fed funds straight up to 4.75% to 5%. By March, that's the current expectation. But of course, things can change instantly, as we saw this week with the Thursday CPI report. If the next CPI report is good, then rates are going to probably drift lower. If it's not good, then, you know, we're back to square one and maybe rates will have to move even higher than 5%. We just have to wait and see. It's way too early to really have a firm idea of what's how this all going to play out.
3: I am completely not aware of how the fed kind of like works in terms of what they do before their meetings so if the cpi does continue to like you know moderate and kind of go down a bit and it's the day before the fed is announcing you know what they're doing with interest rates like how quickly would the fed pivot on that or you know kind of ease back would if something comes out sounding really good The day before the Fed meeting, would they, you know, maybe have time to kind of like change their position on what they're going to do with interest rates?
1: Honestly, I think they're going to put a lot of emphasis on that report because the Fed meeting is two days, right? So the first day of their meeting would be the day the CPI comes out. So they would definitely be discussing that. And then the next day they're continuing to discuss it and they'll make their announcement. So I think that's going to play a huge part in whatever they decide, especially since inflation is their number one concern right now. And the CPI is the measure of inflation other than the PCE, which the Fed also likes to look at. So they're going to put huge emphasis on that report, even though it's coming out literally the the day before they make their decision.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I can't I can't wait for those two days. and It's going to be a hectic day in the newsroom for sure, but a fun one. And I think it's right to be focusing on inflation you know, segue, segue into the midterm elections, that was one of the things that the exit polls were mentioning that voters, you know, what were their main concerns for moving forward over the next couple of years was, in fact, inflation. So, you know, that was one of the most important issues. I think nearly half of voters said jobs in the economy were the most pressing issues facing the country. So we I know we don't have all the results from the election in yet, but it seems that largely Democrats kind of averted the red wave that that we saw some of the pundits were kind of going with in the in the headlines and, and what they were predicting. So, you know, maybe a good thing for Democrats, maybe not a great thing for the markets. To I me, mean, maybe you can kick us off with, I know we talked earlier about what gridlocks kind of means for it. Um, maybe it's not great for some of the voters and politicians on uh, on the Hill, but is it a good thing, all, all bad for markets?
1: Yeah, so the election was interesting, no red wave, but still it looks like Republicans will take control of the, at least the House, Uh, maybe the Senate, who knows, but it does mean gridlock, right? And there is this idea that gridlock is good for markets. Nothing gets done. And so that translates into predictability uh, in terms of policies coming out of Washington. And that makes sense to some degree, but I don't really put that much stock into the theory. It just depends on the circumstances, right? The market loved it when Republicans controlled the government back in 2017 because they they passed a bunch of tax cuts. And in fact, 2017 was one of the best years in market history. But the market also did quite well when Democrats held full control of Congress and the presidency in the first two years of Obama's tenure. So the circumstances matter. In this case, I don't think it changes much, right? The government was already pretty divided and gridlocked. Even though Democrats are in control, their majority was very, very slim. I think the bigger story in 2023 may be how the debt ceiling fight plays out in the context of two parties that seem to be more divided than ever. We've gotten through these fights in the past barely, but at some point, is that brinksmanship just going to eventually turn into a situation where we actually roll off the cliff and default on the debt? Let's hope not, but you know, we're really divided right now in terms of politics in this country. What do you guys think?
3: I think it would be insane for them to play that kind of game of chicken. You know what I mean? That could really explode in their faces. I I don't know who would end up the worse on that.
2: We did see a couple winners from this week's election in terms of ETFs, anyway. And granted, they're very small. But we took a look at some of the politically driven ETFs, and and like I said, it was pretty tiny in terms of assets. I think there's only like twenty five million. In them, but they, they were some of the top performers on Tuesday, surprisingly or coincidentally, I should say. The left-leaning um, Dems Democratic Large Cap Core ETF was up almost five percent, and then MAGA, of course, has the great ticket, uh, ticker MAGA, the Point Bridge America First ETF was also up uh, over one percent, so um, outperforming the larger S and P 500 indexes, but which was interesting. But Heather, I know we talked about a little bit before we jumped on, that you had read some analysts maybe thought that gridlock could in fact be detrimental to the markets.
3: Sure. I was reading comments from Mohamed El-Aryan, who is like my favorite economist, I guess. And he was talking about how gridlock could be kind of bad for the markets um, this time around, simply because the Fed doesn't have a lot of tools left in its toolbox that it can use to deal with, um, you know, any economic issues like inflation or anything like that. It's got, it can continue to hike interest rates, I guess, but that's kind of about it. He was saying that legislation is kind of the last resort in this situation. And if there's gridlock, nothing will get done. So that's kind of a troubling concern in a way. As Sumit was saying, you know, gridlock really, de- like the benefits of gridlock really depend on kind of the situation in the markets. And according to Mohamed El-Aryan, the conditions are not favorable for gridlock right now.
2: <laughs> hmm. Yeah, maybe that's super interesting. I'll take a read on that as well. But maybe we'll leave it, leave it on some good news because I know, Sumit, you had that great data point that it seems like the market midterm elections, right? I think you said going back past few years or maybe ever that they've been up in the months following some of these elections. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I think I read that after every midterm, six months later, the market was up 100% of the time. I know it sounds crazy, but that's the history. (laughs) Of course, past performance is no guarantee of future results, like they say. But at least based on what we saw on Thursday, (laughs) that huge market surge is playing out like it has historically.
2: Yeah, that's great. Well, 100%. I'll take that back anytime. (laughs) Well, thanks to both of you. Thanks, Heather. Thanks to me. We'll have to leave the conversation right there, guys. Thanks for listening uh, to Exchange Traded Fridays from ETF.com. If you liked it, go to your favorite podcast app or on it, you can search for Exchange Traded Fridays, like us, share with your friends. For myself and again, for Sabine and Heather, thanks very much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Take care.